Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song's Second Chance Theater, where we recover a topic, but with a new guest. I'm your host, John, and with me today is a new guest of the pod. However, her podcast isn't a, a new guest of the pod. She is one third of the hosts of Glee on the Rocks. It's Emily, everyone. Hello. <laughs> For those of you who remember, B was on talking about season ooh, four, I four. think. But we're not here to talk about Glee because that is now banned from this podcast. <laughs> I understand. That's fair. We did it. We did 12 episodes dedicated to it. I know. That, that's too many. Well, yeah. And I have a whole podcast and that's too many. Yeah. We, I just covered the seasons and that's it. Yeah. But we're here today to recover Sing Street, the 2016, I don't want to say classic because it's so young, but like it's such it's a pretty great- young. It's such a great movie. I, I think for people who like movie musicals, they should, if they haven't seen it yet, they should. Yes, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously, we covered this, uh, it, uh, it was episode 49, and the guests for that one were Shady and Derek Speedy. But now we have Emily here. Emily, why did you want to recover this? Um, Because I love this movie. That's fair enough. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, there were... So you asked very kindly if we would come back um, and uh, do a second chance theater for a, a movie musical or a TV. And it was honestly, it was really hard to pick something mm-hmm. trying to run through like, what would I feel comfortable talking about at length without sounding like an idiot, uh, which is generally how we roll on Glee on the Rocks is like, just, <laughs> you know, you just kind of like spout off our our opinions on something that we feel deeply invested in um you but just for this podcasting <laughs> yes 100 <laughs> percent um but for this you know these are more things that i like i like unironically i saw sing street in the theater in new york um on a weekday afternoon all by myself <laughs> oh, the theater was nearly empty it was a weekday afternoon um, and I saw it because the company that I was working for at the time was looking to see about adapting it for the stage. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I, I was on a reconnaissance mission to do some early research into the movie. And my company had already had a relationship with the creators of Sing Street, who are the same creators of Once, the musical. So the movie and the Broadway show, who are John Carney and Enda Walsh. So they are the same music and book who did Sing Street and Once. Um, So my company already had the relationship. So they sent me off as the youngest person in the office to do (laughs) the reconnaissance of Sing Street. And I was more than happy. That sounds like a great day to be like, I have to go to the movies now and get paid for it. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I yes, I just left in the middle <laughs> of the day uh, and watched a movie, and then I didn't have to go back to the office. I just went home to write notes <laughs> about what I thought of a I truly hope, delightful movie. 
I hope you used the company card and got like every snack, every beverage. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Just sitting here by myself with some popcorn at (laughs) one o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of New York City. Fantastic experience. Recommend everyone get to do it once in their life. Um, Or work or not, you know. (laughs) Or work or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. So I had a great like memory of Sing Street to kind of come back to with this so like okay we're going back in time it's 2016 yep you're you're in the theater you're watching this because did were you kind of excited to go see this movie yes yeah i was pretty excited to see it i was already a fan of once um and i i didn't know a ton about the movie because i didn't want to go in with too many spoilers because i wanted to approach it as if i were reading a script which was my job at the time um so i didn't want to like attack imdb and really go at it i wanted to go at it fresh so that i could as if you were seeing it for the first time which i was but i you know how sometimes i don't know if you're this kind of person who you're going to go see a movie and you read the entire plot and then maybe you read a review before you go see the movie so you have like a sense me personally no i just okay. watch a trailer and then it's a gut reaction i great i don't personally and i don't think i've ever said this on here i don't like reading reviews because it's just one person's opinion and they could yep. be having a shit day and or like i hate everybody i hate everything and now mm-hmm. i have to write about this movie that i'm in a sour mood so i'm going to write a bad review yes and if you think about how reviews work sometimes i mean they're writing it sometimes like as they're watching it's like how much focus do you have on the thing that you're watching because you have to pump out the review so quickly these days to get it in a paper online etc like are you really focused on the show that you're reviewing or are you focused on getting a thousand words on page so totally agrees i just i happen to know a lot of people who want to go into a movie utterly spoiled so that they know no just like that the one or two trailers Mm -hmm. for me is enough or seven if it's a marvel movie um right so as part of second chance theater i'm i had you re-listen to i had you listen to the previous episode was there something though that we missed that you feel like i mean re-listening to it we did talk a lot about this movie you did it was very in-depth which was great. I There was stuff listening to the episode that I had almost forgotten about the movie because it had been a little time since I had like sat down and watched the movie. It came out in 2016. That was like nine decades ago in yes. current yes. time, the way time has gone these days. Um, time dilation with everything that's happened. Uh-huh. The world um, has been on fire at least 75 times. Yes, it right. has. Yep. I've lived in like too many different places since then. Well, different apartments since then. Okay. New York, Seattle, totally different vibe. So I I thought everyone did like a really great job covering it, especially around like what the music means in the movie. Cuz I I didn't know a ton about 80s music itself. So when I rewatched the movie to do this, I was trying to focus more on how the music itself and and not the music written for the movie but like Duran Duran and The Cure and Hall and Oates and mm, the curated weirdly, songs the curated songs 
are like built into the structure of the movie and weirdly like adam levine at the end which i had a thought about and i'm curious if you agree with me about that but that's the end of the movie so i'll try to remember to bring that back around you could, you could say it now we we i i don't follow a linear structure so at the end of the movie um oh i have to bring up my notes to remember everyone's names the brother um brendan he hands connor lyrics that he has written and is like take these lyrics um maybe you do something with them maybe you don't do you think the song that adam levine sings at the end is the lyrics that brendan gives to connor and just transformed into like to a pop song Ooh! because if you think about the lyrics that he is singing they are the kind of lyrics that you would think of brendan envisioning for rafina and connor and it does kind of follow how the original songs are pulling influence from the yep. dialogue. Well, mm-hmm. the conversations, because clearly in the world of a movie, it's not right. Yes, it is easily. So like we talk about how um, Brendan says, drive it like you stole it. And that's the mm-hmm. name of a song. There's a there's a teacher, too. Yes. The, uh, the teacher who says the complicated boys and girls yeah. in one of the classrooms that gets turned into to lyrics. You know, I think that theory holds water. No pun intended. <laughs> no, excellent. Great pun. Love it. Keep it. Um, I, th- I think, yeah, it makes sense. So another reason why I, th- I think you wanted to do this, at least you've told me, is that you saw the show. You saw the I did see the show. show. Yes, um, New York. The- I remembered it's it was down at the New York Theater Workshop um, downtown in New York. So they they did a off. I guess that counts as off Broadway, yeah. um, a stage version with the same team. Um, and I remembered to look it up. The only reason it didn't go to Broadway, it was meant to. Is, um, COVID. COVID. Yeah. Yep. It was set to premiere March 26th, 2020. Oh, oh no. It's yep. like, oh, that would be like two weeks into yes. lockdown or something. Terribly painful for them. Um, so now... But on the upside, though, they got the album out. They did get the cast album out, yeah. So it was. it's produced by Barbara Broccoli, Patrick Millingsmith, Michael Wilson, Oren Wolf, who um (laughs) weirdly enough is a producer that we work with as well on the band's visit so it's a team that i'm super familiar with and have all the confidence in the world in to make a great show um i quite liked the off-broadway version i thought it was charming very rough around the edges um so then how does the adam levine song play into it I don't remember it being there. In, really? Yeah, I I did not remember it being there. That doesn't mean that it wasn't. It has been like six, seven years now since True. I saw it. Um, I could probably look it up really quick to see if it's there. At, at the time, I was much more focused on the, everything else, <laughs> on everything else, and like the staging and the actors who are playing their own instruments. Whoa. Once style, yeah. So they've gotten um actors who are musicians that's amazing because like we did talk about this in the in the last episode where like these actors Mm -hmm. 
potentially didn't play the instruments. Like they probably went to right. the uh, uh, a music boot camp of sorts. Sure. But I, I do see that Go Now is on the album. I don't know if that means it's in the show or not. That could be. Let's see. Oh, you know what? It is. It was Brendan who was singing it. So they had the same thought. Way yep. to go. <laughs> um, yep. So to your, I, I now have a thousand questions about this because this is yes. great as a form of second chance theater. So what were some of the major changes that you can remember from the movie to the stage version? Oh, okay. Did they cut Anne? I feel like they cut Anne, the sister. The sister? Yeah. Um, because like if they're if you were looking to like pare down the cast pare down cast um and she doesn't bring that much to the movie as it is i think she was there okay. i just don't remember her having a ton to do in the same way that she disappears in the movie which you guys talked about in the first one and it's such a shame because she has this moment in the movie where they talk about like, oh, you, is it talking about dreams or ambition or something? Like, oh, you were an artist. And she's like, I don't remember being an artist. I want to be an architect. And they, there's like a moment where they could talk about it and then they just mm-hmm. move right by it. They're like, right. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, we're, oh, we're, on, even wait. Brendan was like, we couldn't get a paintbrush out of your hand. Right. And they don't come back around at any point to her picking up a paintbrush or anything it would have been great where in that scene when the parents are fighting and the three kids are hanging out in brendan's room and they start dancing if she was like sketching that would have been just like a nice little arc or something Mm -hmm. it does it doesn't mean like she doesn't have to be sketching uh like a like a portrait or something you know just like doodling or something Mm -hmm. in the new york theater workshop version 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 she uh, if I she performs with Connor on one of the songs for some reason, oh, kind of like gets in on the action a little bit, and I just I'd have to look into the um the playbill. I could look up online which which song it was, kind of, and I think maybe that was a bit of their attempt to give her more agency and give her a little more um stage time, but I I don't remember her. Having... She does girls. Oh, does girls. There we go. Oh, wait, that was the New York Theater Workshop one. Let's see. And so they're going to go to Boston. In Boston, it's all three of them. Oh, well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. I don't understand how that's going to work out for them, but... I have no need to go to Boston, but honestly, I am so tempted to go see it. Okay, I'm booking us tickets right now. Just to go. (laughs) We're going to go. What is it playing? August 26th or October 2nd? That's a nice run for... Yeah. All right, we're booking. Go. We're going. We're going. We're fucking going. I want to go. I mean, I've been to Boston before. It's not the worst place. Plus, I mean, this is. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see how they do. Drive it like you stole it, because in the movie, it's it's, it's a fantasy. It's so cinematic, mm-hmm. and like, okay, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Yes, um, I think I saw it in theaters, and I've seen it. Uh, like at least five times outside of theaters as well and doing it for this podcast and everything just thinking about the fantasy sequence i was crying for like 10 minutes in this movie 
prior to that scene happening. <laughs> and then when yeah. it happened, I cried again. Yeah. I mean, for a movie that is so very Irish and so very not American, that scene is so very American. Yeah. They've it is, got the it, sharks in the jets dance. I mean, Father Baxter does do a weird series of backflips. And every time I'm like, what are you doing? But it's so very American. And it, it does feel like they have a love for that scene that they really put into it. And I, I adore it. In the musical, I mean, the stage musical, there is an attempt to capture that. Um, you can only have so many extras, though, on stage. Right. I mean, you can't have a whole gymnasium full. Right. Mm-hmm. Although on Broadway, you can. If you make You're it right. to Broadway, you can sure fill a stage. Well, let's see what happens in Boston, too. I yeah. mean, I saw Moulin Rouge in Boston. They There's mm-hmm. so many people in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as doing this, there are a few things that I feel like we didn't talk about the last time. This one just bugged me. We're like... Connor makes a whole point about how he cannot afford black shoes. Like he has the one pair of shoes, but then he just shows up to school wearing the different outfits looks. Yeah. I was just like, how, how did you buy all yeah. this? I, yeah. But what I did appreciate and I really caught on, especially during the Hall and Oates era of the movie is that the rest of the band joined in on it. They were very cute. Because like, I believe it was Eamon early in the film was just saying something like he do- he doesn't know himself or like he's still figuring himself out. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who says, you know, what do you what do you like? My rabbits. Like yeah. all, all his personality is in the beginning of the movie are his rabbits. And the fact that his dad did a cover band. Uh, um and that and there is this idea that which i think is maybe a little unfair but that a cover band isn't i don't want to say not a real band but that you're playing someone else's music you're not writing your own lyrics it's not about your heart your soul your meaning that and really that's brendan's idea right like you you need to write your own lyrics you need to write your own music and it's amon's dad who provides them the opportunity with the the uh instruments and the space mm-hmm. to then take off and start writing their own lyrics and their own music and gives them the opportunity and the space to develop their own personalities just takes them a little while they have to go through their taylor swift eras to get there <laughs> i mean i'll reiterate this point i really do like the fact that like the movie starts with Connor playing the guitar and like making up lyrics <laughs> or like making music to the argument that his parents are having. Yeah. He's so, just like, there re- copying the words. He's just saying it back to them. It's great. Right. So like there is like a, a hint of talent there. It's not <laughs> like some other band related movies that we've seen where like there is they go from like being shit, like having zero talent to having all the talent. Yeah, and I, I think too. Um... Oh, Glee, for example, too. <laughs> How dare you? Well, <laughs> in that first episode when they sing, yes, uh, um, D- um, don't rock the boat. Sit, uh, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Yeah. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. Yeah, 
that we go from that to don't stop believing which is a great comparison too. talk about people who can't ever afford anything but have every costume change known to man (laughs) and set piece piece. connor can't afford brown shoes or black shoes but he can dye his hair multiple times (laughs) and, and now has makeup and costume changes i mean I feel maybe, like Rafina had a hand in that. Rafina had a hand. Maybe he's took. Maybe he's taking some clothes from his sister, or maybe Brendan. Maybe or like the the band got together and went to a thrift store. Maybe there's a whole deleted scene of them robbing a thrift store. Maybe. Oh my god! Yes, that would be kind of fun. So in the last episode, we had a lengthy discussion about the end of the movie when they are yes. on the boat going across for those of you who are listening go back and listen to Mm -hmm. that and i won't say anything but i want to hear your opinion on this do you think they made it i have to think that they do um because i think it would be a real downer of a movie if it ends with two children drowning in the sea (laughs) um although it is a bit startling when out of the mist and the rain the fairy appears you're like good yeah lord and he <laughs> almost hits it he almost hits this giant fairy and i you know if if there is a uh theme well the theme is obviously you know chasing your dreams and finding your way out of a terrible situation and but in that moment he's like about to crash into his dream in a very negative way you're like whoa what is happening here but uh, when I was watching at this time at the very end, I was trying to look into the distance. Like, is there, can am I projecting or is there a glimmer of light in the clouds? Like, can I find a glimmer of sunlight in the clouds or am I projecting a glimmer of sunlight in the clouds? And I, I, I like to think that there is some, some light on the horizon in those final frames for them, because otherwise the 1980s in Ireland is just super tragic for everyone what i like about this movie is that yes you said it's about chasing your dreams but like there's a whole litany of dreams happening in this movie from like the the smallest of small dreams which is the mom who wants to have a holiday in spain i love her oh my god i i I love that actress i i loved her in orphan black i loved Mm. her in this the tutors Um, I didn't see the Tudors. Oh, it has its ups and downs, but the first seasons are really good. Um, we're talking about Maria Doyle Kennedy yes. here. So we have hers, but then we also have like Brendan mm-hmm. uh, who wanted the world got shat upon because he was the eldest, mm-hmm. right? Yes. He was the first kid and and he explains to Connor that like he had to pave the way for both of he them. He had to pave the way for both of them. And he was there alone while the parents were still fighting and still young Catholics who couldn't get divorced. Which is a whole other layer of this movie that you don't really think about maybe as an American in this time. But there's a whole litany of things that they can't do that we just take for granted. Right. Like, like, they, oh, like divorce was probably yeah. semi-recently alone. Mm-hmm sanctioned yeah when the uh when little finger <laughs> sits them down like 
can't get divorced. You're like, what are you talking about? Oh, right. It's a Catholic country. And then like, you know, we, they talked about, Anne. we talked about Anne who probably did have dreams of being an artist, but like suppressed them. Sure. And then we have, um, but then we also just see the consequence of like broken families Mm -hmm. with Brendan and what's his name? The bully. Barry. Barry. I mean, Brendan has that whole monologue that we just basically like talked about where he's like, I paved the way, but like, because they were awful to each other, blah. Mm -hmm. And he's a product of what happened to his parents yeah but then barry is like a glimmer of hope mm-hmm. because he does start out as the bully we see his dad be a fucking asshole yeah. but then they go to him and they're like be a roadie yeah, i love that and so like them and then the moment where he gets to push somebody off stage but like be a bully on purpose mm-hmm. use it for like, a reason yeah and i'm just like you know what there is hope for you and i really do hope i kind of hope i kind of do and i kind of don't want a sequel to this movie where so they make it to london right Mm -hmm. rafina and connor and this is my pitch they make it they make it so we see them struggle to follow their vocations and everything but by some happenstance connor like books a gig and he and he's allowed to bring his band bring sing street Mm. back to london with him i kind of want that yeah because i think it'll be fun but i also don't because like this is the story yes it it is very complete in its own they have a successful gig he it in most ways gets the girl the uh-huh. bully is redeemed in as much as the a bully can be redeemed. They've defeated the villain of of Father Baxter. Um, although which, he does keep his job, which uh, where he just leaves, and I'm like, this is yeah. weird. Like, mm-hmm. your He's... asshole is so clenched the whole movie. And now yeah. you're just like, well, these kids are now using my face as a mask. <laughs> just walks away like, all right. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> I've given up today, I suppose. Um, you know, I guess the only thing that doesn't really work out is his parents separate. But that seems to work out for his mother. Yeah, I was about to say his mom is at least happier. Mm-hmm. Because I hope she gets to go to Spain. <gasps> Tony's going to bring her to Spain. Tony's going to bring her. Feel that sunlight. Feel that sunlight. They're going to not have a tree that hides the sun. <laughs> she sits there every day. And then I just, I also hope for the best for Brendan. I mean, by the end of yeah. the movie, he's getting his shit together. So yes. he's probably going to find some really shit job though. Like mm-hmm. some retail or the McDonald's job that Rafina almost got. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, yeah. but like it's money. So it's money. And it keeps you from following douchebag adult men to London who then just ditch you. <laughs> What's that? What was that guy all about? Thank God. Um, okay. Let's switch gears back to the musical for a hot second. The yes. same version. So the ending of this we talked about is 
them on the boat going yeah. to London. How did what did they do for the ending? So they they did like um like a screen and like a, a water image. Oh, so there was them on the boat. Yeah. It wasn't like not just like walking off stage. <laughs> like Well, I, I didn't know if they would have cut that whole Mm-mm. subplot. No, no, it's still the the idea of of the plot of them getting to London via boat. So they have they had like a screen. Curious if they keep that. Well, well. And I see that like obviously it's a musical so other people sing with them. So like yeah, Rafina, they... Rafina gets a song. Barry Barry mm-hmm. sings Brown Shoes. Shut up. And I'm assuming like didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that um all the songs credited for Connor, like it's also the band is playing and singing backup and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So they um the actors have uh live doing this like I have a guitar. They have live um instruments. Instruments. I keep wanting to say music live instruments <laughs> they have live music on stage yes it is a musical they have live instruments on stage and then there is um like a backing orchestra in the pit the way any musical would have for additional sound oh. um yeah but they're they're playing their instruments and i'm assuming that will hold true for the next iterations which i think is so fun um we did it in once and then we did it in the band's visit and i i think it adds such a visceral tangible element to a stage show when you know that that person is playing their instrument that music yeah because like that when music. they when they did it for school of rock with the kids mm, mm-hmm. that was incredible right. the yeah. bass was taller the the ba- the <laughs> girl who played the bass guitar yeah. the bass was taller than her like so cute it's amazing so Adorable. the other thing though that i like about the movie and i hope they kind of stay true to this in the show is that they're kids. They are, at least they look like they're teenagers. They're young. They're not 30-year-olds. They they looked of age. I don't know about the new actors. I think they have a lot of new actors for the Boston run, but at the workshop, the New York Theater workshop, they most of them looked of age. It didn't it did not look like you had Stalker Channing. <laughs> yes exactly yep mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah, my go-to very... because she was <sighs> so or or in your podcast case cory monteith oh lovely man far too old 26 years old when the seasons first started <laughs> especially when you put him up against like chris colfer who was 17 17 and you're like oh boy <laughs> rough god this movie is just so good and i i'm going to second what you said at the top is that if you haven't seen this movie already a thank you for listening to this episode but <laughs> yes. b watch it it's i don't know it it's all about just follow your dreams and yeah. like and like yeah the 80s were rough everywhere but like <laughs> i think it's made with such love uh, and, and you guys talked about this in the first chance episode um that so much of it the first chance so much of it is um 
the director's life story you know this is where he went to school and these were his friends and he played music and that i think a lot of that just carries forward in that it's a bit of his autobiography and this is what mattered to him as a kid and i i think when a movie is made with intention and love it is obvious um and that what flaws there are you're like with Anne, right? You're like, okay, what happens to Anne? Why so often are female characters like, okay, you're here and you're gone, goodbye. The teacher as well. Yeah, the teacher. Like, what? What's going on? Why are you? Why are you just gone? I mean, the band is all boys, but it, you know, that was his life. So it's hard to. What was he gonna do? Put a girl in the band who didn't exist. Now we would, but you know, when this right. And he decided to make her the, uh, he, like they made Rafina the vixen. Yes. The, the video vixen. The video vixen. But like, not in a weird sexualized way, which I really did appreciate. Yeah, I, I like Rafina in a lot of ways. She is so hurt by the things that happened in her life and is trying so hard to hide them in ways that I think a lot of people do where you kind of you like you lie to people about what's going on in your life and you're like I'm fine right nothing's wrong my life is perfect I've got headshots and I'm gonna go be a model in London (laughs) and like yeah but behind that you're crying and eating like a 12 pack of Oreos in bed and pretending like that's not happening right now (laughs) like Sorry. Last three years of my life. Why are you reading me like I, that? We just met. How dare you? I mean, it's because that's what I've been doing as well. Oh, kindred spirit. Yeah. It's Diet Coke, Oreos, and bagel bites. Ooh, I like that diet. I'm going to steal it. Um, can we talk about John Carney for a hot second? We didn't really talk Amazing. about him last time either. But like, this guy does a lot of. Well, so he did once, which weirdly enough, I still haven't seen. And nobody's oh, picked. what? I know. It's weird. But then he did Begin Again, which yep. we've covered. I don't know if you've seen that one. I did see it. I've only seen it the once. I've only seen it the once. Well, because we didn't make a musical out of it. So I didn't have to watch it again. Which, ironically enough, I would, I I covered that with somebody who was in the movie. Amazing. Um. But then he has Sing Street, and then he did a movie this past year, like literally two months ago, called Flora and Son. Ooh. It's another movie based around music, and a, and on his IMDb, he has a another one, an upcoming film called Fascinating Rhythm, where okay. I'm just like, he has such an appreciation for music mm-hmm. that it's not just curating like quentin tarantino can curate a soundtrack sure but john carney wants his actors to actually perform it feels like Mm -hmm. and i love that for him i love that he's like a musician himself but i was gonna say he's like redefining the musical genre but i don't want to say that either because it's i mean it's interesting because it's like like this could this movie Sing Street could be like the origins based around the origin stories of the Beatles in a way because right. to me 
Eamon and Connor seemed a lot like Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Yep. Starting out young, figuring each other out, trying to find what your sound is. Mm-hmm. Especially the scene where it's like two and when they write up, I think. Because doesn't isn't that the scene where he goes to his goes to Eamon's house like at like midnight and is like, "What are you doing? Do you want to write a yeah, song?" Yeah, it's after he drops uh, Rafina off, and he's or does he drop her off or something's happened with Rafina and he's just like can't go home and he's got too much energy and he's just like mm-hmm. Let's I do only something. I only say that because the the lyrics in all these songs are very literal and so that's the one where they talk about how it's two in the morning. And it's literally two in the morning. It's literally two. So that's what I think it is. But like, John Carney, I love you. Please keep going with these musical movies because like, yep, they're all very different. It's not like, yeah, like they all incorporate bands and music and a love story of sorts. But like, it's very, it's all very different. It once had a very different feeling from Sing Street, which has a very different feeling from Begin Again, even though they're all revolved around writing music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the the music within the movies is also very different, um, even right, though he cause... tends to collaborate with, with fair, the same people. Because this one was based around 80s music mm-hmm. begin again was mo- is modern yeah it's mo- much... what what modern yeah, would... was of the time yeah it would you know contemporary right it's Tem- what was it thank you 2013 it was literally the one right before this movie that he did although did this both have what's his face they both had adam levine hmm. yes but adam levine was a character in begin yeah. again and he, he was only sang the song at the end of this one. Very true. So he worked his way up. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. once is in Dublin. Uh, it's very again Irish is American. Folk. And then uh, Sing Street is 80s Dublin. But like that's just the setting. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't seen that other one flora and Son. i haven't either no i should check it i didn't out. even know about it until today well someone's got to get on this marketing oh sundance so it just came out distributed by apple tv so all right oh it'll be here soon maybe and then it'll be gone in an instant because that's how streaming services work these days yeah but it'll bounce around and it'll be on freebie at some point or to be <laughs> that's how i watched it. it was on freebie i was like i've never even heard of this I bought this movie on on um Prime because oh, like good. I do like this movie and like if it wasn't for this podcast I would still watch it occasionally. Cuz like have, like a DVD of it somewhere. Probably I, probably I might. Do yeah. I don't have a DVD player anymore. No, um, I do. I, I must. <laughs> Emily, is there anything you want to anything else you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat? Ooh. Um we went all over the place. Well, okay. Is there anything from the show that you viscerally remember that was a little, that was very different from the movie that you want to like tell us? <laughs> no, warn people. Um, no, 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 no. Be like, this is a really cool thing that they, well, besides them playing their own instruments and it's live music with the. Right. 
backing orchestra. No, there was nothing that was like standout bananas from it was just like it was still 80s joyful still 80s he's still impressing um rafina everyone still has their home problems um they take out the inappropriate racist remarks that the kids thank god because just literally about to ask you about (laughs) that they took out the the inappropriate language that um What's his name? Darren? That Darren says. Uh-huh. Um, Do they so, get rid of all the, the gay slurs as well? Yep. Unless I got them out in my own brain. It was just like crossing them out and just... But I did not recall them. So it is Broadway too. So I'm assuming everyone was like, we can't, I'm not going to say that about our friends. But thank you. Well, because like we did yeah. talk about this uh, on the first chance. Um, first chance. Where we're building the world and it's an unfortunate thing to even suggest to even say that, but like it happened. It did. We can't, we shouldn't erase it completely. We cannot like it. Mm -hmm. And like, at least even in the movie, they make it a learning process for Darren Mm -hmm. where they're, where Connor's just like, you can't say that. You can't say that anymore. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. It it is so shocking though when he does say it because he's like he looks so young and when he says something she's like whoa the other thing too that kind of confused me now maybe you can I, I don't are they all the same grade oh I have no idea they their heights say no but I, I have no idea I just Darren just, looks like he's twelve I know I know he does. Yeah, and then the Eamon... the, sh- the shorter uh-huh. one, the one that wore the cowboy outfit, I think is also twelve. It's either um, there's a Larry, a Barry, and a Harry, right? Larry, Barry, and oh, three God. of them have rhyming names. Barry's the bully. There's a Larry, and someone else has a rhyming name. Uh, let's see. Gary, I think it's a Gary. Gary, Gary, and Barry. Gary, you're right. But yeah. between the two of them, I don't know who's who. Because <laughs> they but don't like, say each other's names. Yeah. That, oh, okay. So that was a question, actually, that um, Derek had about the stage version. Did they give a little bit more backstory to everybody? Not really. If you remember? I don't remember people being fleshed out any more than they were. But yeah, I don't remember the, the side characters getting needed? more. Um, yes and no. I think, I think there's always the desire for, um, secondary and tertiary characters to have more backstory because once you like them, you want to know more. Mm -hmm. But the downside of doing that is slowing down the show. Right. Right. So that's the downside. And I think it's not a musical that can, that can be three hours long <laughs> you know some can like some it's musicals can be long lame is it's not lame is um and so i think i think you have to decide if your show is quick and to the point or if your show has the structure to be two and a half hours i think you decide do you just let your background characters be background characters who play music and sometimes have a snappy line or do you dig into their their parents and 
their thoughts and their feelings and mm. or at least a line that's just like my dad taught me how to play the drums right yeah like why that's do you all know you how we, to play your instrument that's all we really need in a lot mm-hmm. of these instances where it's just like which one are you larry or gary are you what is your name what which is your name name tag something <laughs> give me something um so i think i think that's work that they i mean if if it had been something that we picked up i think those are notes that you give the creative team between new york theater workshop and boston is you get into a room and you talk with them about how much do we want to give gary and larry (laughs) do we and even the gig right yeah i I mean he was funny we have a whole scene in his living room Mm -hmm. where they're talking but like didn't really yeah he was very elusive where he was like I, I might know how to play an instrument and you're like right what was that about and actually one of his funniest moments is very early on when they're filming riddle of the model and he takes the keyboard and he moves oh in God, front yes and you're like bold move where did that come from and like but then you don't see him doing it any other time like i would have loved other moments of him just moving in front of the rest of the band to get the most face time I just love the sloppiness of Riddle of the Model, the video. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Okay. Sharp. Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. And since this is Second Chance Theater, we're going to see how I agree with my last Sharps and Flats. So, Emily... The floor is yours. What do you want to start with? I'm going to start... I'll start with a flat. Okay. To to start low and then go high. Great. I think. Right? And on a high it's, note. And on a high note. Exactly. Um, We're here for the puns. <laughs> um, it's always so hard. Because I don't, I don't want to just rehash what we've already talked about. Well, I mean, right? that's the, that is kind of the point here, where we can rehash something to drive home, drive home a point. A point. I think I know what your flat is because it was my flat the first time, which w- was uh, Darren's racism, probably right. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. No. It. I just wonder, like, what the point was for John Carney. Like, what was that? What your friends were like, and were you? is it world building of dublin in the 80s is this like this is just what the world was like and i'm putting it in the movie because that's this is who we are and good and bad this was sing street in 82 and i'm putting it in and here we are Hmm. or did it just not register when he was writing it (laughs) i was like what's going on i feel like it's what you said uh the first your first option where it was just it's just a reflection of his yeah. friends and the times but like with a modern sensibility i i do agree that you can't sugarcoat when you look back at historical time frames even though i think right now it's very tempting to do that i think i don't know 2023 and... 2023 is such a shit show that i you look back and this and you want to be like okay well, let's just make things nicer because we can things are so crap right now but if we can just if we make 1974 so much nicer it'll make me feel better about night you know 2023 <laughs> but when you're when you're making a historical project you you can't 
now you don't need to make it aggressively horrible right there's right balance but at least there was that teachable moment there were teachable moments yes yep so um, i think i think that's what they were going for but it is like so is that really your flat because like i put words in your mouth but... no it it is it is one of them and then um i think my other flat is the underwriting of female characters which is across the line media flat as oh like, just in general i feel like female characters just get so underwritten in general i think it's just a problem do you find it's more when it's men who write the screenplays and scripts and things like that or i mean sometimes yes i mean i mean that could be an entire other podcast of like the the the, i mean there is there's a a whole script writing podcast out there by some uh producers but the stuff that we would get in and the way women were written you're just like have you met a woman like ever (laughs) oh shit yeah and and you'll see it in in any media but you know Anne is the big one but there is also Rafina with her bit of a Manny Pixic dream girl attitude and she is I think meant to be a um she's not a prop but she is a fantasy in the beginning right like she is she is a fantasy and I think even by the end we're not entirely sure who she is and I would have liked a bit more time with her. But that is the problem with a movie versus a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. If this was it's... like a, a limited run Netflix series, we would mm-hmm. get a whole episode dedicated to her backstory. Yeah, you find out like, is she lying about her parents or is that the truth of her? Is she, because it's hard to tell with her sometimes of what's real. And you get those nice little moments with her, um, like without her makeup in her room at that house listening to the songs that um connor has written and you're like okay that feels real that feels true and when she um, when she lies to connor about saying that she's rafina's sister so weird but like also the way yeah. that she's styled mm-hmm. seems real because yeah she's, she's Got her hair in what, like French braids or something yeah, like that? Yeah, she's got like cute little French braids and she's, she's very dressed like a, down. Wearing like a baggy sweater. Mm-hmm. She has no makeup on. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, this is raw. This is real. Yep. We, I, I agree with you. I want more of that. Yeah. I, like, who is she going to be when they get to London? Like, what version of Rafina? Oh, shit. Is, is London. Uh, I, guess, you... I guess that's part two i guess that's the sequel is like what is rafina like in london who does she have to impress when it's not the whole band it's just connor and the whole of london mm. i don't know what are your sharps then the music yeah music i love the music um yeah i love the music i so when i was listening to the first chance um i do have some of the songs just in my spotify playlist like they're just they're just in there and i listen to them when they come up and i i don't skip it's not the whole uh album it's uh drive it like you stole it up to find you oh that uh, this you're answering my question that i ask later which is what oh you the songs the uh, life's playlist no 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 you can yeah. I, but yeah like yeah 
they're class. I I think they're just so well written as songs. I feel like they, and you guys talked about this before. If like they 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 qualify as songs, which is so stupid, but they like they are well written pieces of music. Are they songs that um, a fifteen year old who had never picked up a guitar guitar before would have written? Mm, maybe not. But they're great. But he pl- he's he was fiddling around on guitar, so at least that's true. Like to justify. To justify, uh, and he had the band there to help him. Um, Amen. Really, and and Amen, Amen is the true hero of Sing Street. Um, uncredited hero getting the music put together. Um, but yeah, I I I think if the music was not as good, I think the tone of the movie would be very different. Where you wouldn't have those big moments carrying you through. I love that there are times in the movie where you'll hear the snippets of the music with no lyrics, just kind of carrying you through a scene mm-hmm. before you hear the full song. Like when the two of them are writing. Mm-hmm. And and even before there's, um, oh, I wrote it down somewhere. Who knows where I have this in my notes. Um, but yeah. Oh, so there's like the overture to, to find you plays when he's traveling, um, home and it plays again while connor and brandon are watching their mom sit and uh look at the uh, sitting out on the stoop oh i didn't pick up on that so it's just like a little couple of like piano notes playing um during those scenes oh so i like yeah so i like how it lives in the movie they're not just like they're standalone they kind of i wish i could remember the technical term of those pieces of the song and i just like a motif motif thank you yeah the motifs of the song um exist wholly in the in the movies movie <laughs> okay my turn yes so do i agree with my la- former sharps and flats yes but i want to emphasize <laughs> the following again flatting darren's racism i agree with you and with myself in the former episode why was it there it didn't really need to be there like we already had the derogatory word mm-hmm. words we didn't need Multiple. that one right um i also want to emphasize my sharp on Eamon's mom she oh yes is so good i uh, yes like, the vibrator yes her amazing her there was one scene i forget which song it was but she's like putting down a tray of like snacks and tea or whatever and then she just dances in the living room at some yep. point. I was like, I love you, woman. Yeah, she was having the best time. But I do have some new ones. So, okay, I'm going to start with flats as well because what's on a high note? Um, my new flats, Brother Baxter, I know we're supposed to hate him. There's a whole like disclaimer at the end where they're like, the brothers of Sing Street no longer beat, their, beat your children. So... There's that. Um, my and then my second new flat is Brendan's wig. I know it's a wig. It is so bad. It's very distracting. It really stands out during the um, uh, "Drive It Like You Stole It" dream sequence when he's not wearing it, and you're like, "Oh, oh, this is what that's what he like. looks like." You, yeah. you look like a better Chris Pratt. Oh, you're like, oh, how cute. Yeah, and then the rest of the time, it's just, like, straight. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. Um, okay, so my new Sharps. I didn't do this the last time, but I agree with you. With the original music, 
It's so great. Shady said the last episode that I think Drive It Like You Stole It feels like it was written at the in the time period. Sure. It doesn't feel like a modern view of uh-huh. the past. It feels like right. it was just there brought to the present. Mm-hmm. I also sharped the progress of them playing and how they had some talent. So like this movie, I think, goes through at least four months time because he goes to the new school and then by the end towards the end it's their midterms okay i don't live in ireland so (laughs) i don't know how the school year works yeah but i feel like at least four months have passed Mm -hmm. so obviously they got better and better and yes it's a little hyper realized a movie and everything um, and then I'm surprised I didn't sharp this the last time, but the drive it like you stole it dream sequence. So good. It brings me to tears every time because it is just so great. And you get the references, you get you you see what he's seeing, mm-hmm. and then you're brought back to reality at the end, and you're like, oh, that's I love I love that attention to detail at the end when the the actual sound of the music changes when they come out of the dream sequence and there's no more extra band right it's just them for the music and it for like the last couple notes it's just the a guitar a bass a drum a keyboard and that's it what i also noticed this time around is that when we're in the dream sequence nigig's hair is different oh yeah it's like he yeah. has a different hairstyle mm-hmm. and like I know we focus a lot on Connor and Connor's hair is different but I was just like that's re- really awesome that like you focused on Everybody. the whole band. This movie is great. It's so good. Uh, uh, you already kind of answered this but would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Yes. I regularly listen to Up and Drive It Like You Stole It. Yeah. I even I even have the bedroom remix of <laughs> Up. I listen to this album every so often. And, like, oh. I really only focus on the original songs. I don't mm. really mm-hmm. listen to the curated ones. In my defense, if I'm going to listen to the curated ones, I'm probably going to listen to the Glee version. So, uh, <gasps> Because like, you have to. Because I have to. If I'm going to listen to Rio, I'm going to listen to Hungry Like the Wolf slash Rio. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I, it's my job. <laughs> uh but i think yeah. i want to i think i want to give a listen to the more to the theatrical the the oh yeah yeah because i have yeah. it this mm-hmm. i have a stage version i so i just need to listen to it and see what's different yeah i think it's i think it's good i i will be so curious about what changes if if the arrangement changes at all if it's big i think a lot of what changes between um, like off Broadway and Broadway is things just get bigger, mm-hmm. um, which can sometimes be a not good thing. You have a bigger venue, you have to play to the back of the house, you have to fill the sound, um, so that that can change the uh, the look and the feel of a show. Um, and depending on the kind of show, I think sometimes that can take away some of the intimacy of a musical. But I think that'll be okay for Sing Street, like. If you can get more bodies during the dream sequence, then great. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, if you have more room, uh, you know, thinking about, um, what was it, prom, uh-huh. flawed, but 
you need a lot of people on stage for a show like the prom. It's just a matter of like, what are you going to have those people do the rest of the mm-hmm. show? Have the at least some of them be students, but then like yep. if the, if the show still has the dance at the end, mm-hmm. it does. Uh, yeah. Then yeah, it did. Then, so then you've still got bodies, and you have them as students. You have them as the people other people walking. Yeah, people walking. Background. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, we're done with the episode. We did it. I know we talked a lot about things I, t- I i can talk a lot it's <laughs> a problem you should be a podcaster <laughs> uh yeah working on it and speaking of which what do you have to plug or promote well funny you should ask <laughs> we have a podcast called glee on the rocks where we talk about a funny little tv show called glee oh my God. which weirdly enough people still watch in 2023 yeah i don't know why well it's now on disney plus it's now it's yes now on disney plus um which i have to steal because well i'm not paying for disney plus some of us had to buy them on itunes way back in the day yes i had to buy a season on amazon for the while that it was nowhere to be found oh my god and i was like and then it went on to disney i was like oh son of a so now i just randomly have season four on amazon what am i gonna do with it i can't they won't take it back so um yeah so we i have i have that and then i i we also do um supernatural on the rocks because people still care about supernatural in and the year of our lord 2023 and there's like fifty thousand seasons of those there are 15 seasons of supernatural now in our defense we do one episode per season so you don't do the full season. We do. We so every episode of our show covers a season of Supernatural. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So they they're usually very long episodes. So we'll break them into like part one, part two. Because a lot of shit happens in a season. Because a lot of shit goes down. <laughs> um. Yep. Yeah. Where so, can the good people find that and Glee on the Rocks? You can find those. I think wherever you get your podcast, but definitely on um, Spotify and Apple, I, uh, Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, whatever they're calling themselves these days. Apple Podcasts. I Apple think. Podcasts. Um, but yeah, I think wherever you get your podcast, but definitely Spotify and Apple because those seem to be the big ones. And socials? Socials. Uh, so, the socials. Um, so Glee on the Rocks is at Glee on the Rocks on um, Instagram and Twitter we do have a uh, TikTok that exists and sometimes is posted on. And then Supernatural is at SPN on the rocks, also on Instagram and Twitter, but not on TikTok because oh, I just do not have time for this. <laughs> I don't. TikTok eludes me. I'm too old, I'm too tired. There's too much happening on TikTok. I don't get it. Bless the people who do. I I can't. If you also saw Sing Street, the stage version, or if you're in the cast in the Boston version. Absolutely. You, you can reach out to me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as well at buttasongpod. If you want to slide some tickets to the Boston show. I mean, just let us we'll, know. We'll do a live yeah oh my god yes em- emily and i will 
find our way to Boston. I'll go we to just Boston. Need the, we just need the tickets. Right? So, and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about Over the Moon, which is a 2020 animated movie on Netflix. Everyone, so much easier. So much easier. Emily, thank you so much for coming on. We need to get who's the third one in your Mandy. Podcast? We need to get Mandy on here. At some yes. Point. Yep. But Mandy doesn't like musicals. No, I don't know if Mandy likes musicals or not. Maybe, ask her. maybe at one point we can get the three of you together. <laughs> You'll have a long episode. <laughs> That's fine. It'll be I a like, chatty episode. I like, I like a good conversation. Uh, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, and bye for now. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.